0: Welcome back to the Nightcap Season 2, Episode 2. I'm your host, alongside me and my partner, Connor Shue. we got another full schedule ahead of us today, talking about all the sports covering for you guys. First, we'll start off with the NFL. Connor, I'll pass it off to you.
1: Saw a couple of trades today, Evan. Yeah. Chase Young, specifically, he got dealt over to the 49ers, bolstering their pass, rush attack, and only for, I think it was a third round pick, it was. I'm pretty sure, so... Like, obviously, we're a little bit partial being Ohio State guys. It seems like that's a steal. And with his talent, I feel like that's a steal. But obviously, you know, he's got the injury history and stuff. But if he can stay healthy for the full season, I think he could be a huge addition to that 49ers defense.
0: Yeah. And, you know, the 49ers fans are getting to see something. Ohio State fans were, you know, didn't get to see uh, Chase Young and uh, Bosa together. Bosa sat out that last year uh, when they could have played together. Uh, Chase Young was a Heisman coach. favorite um you know those two together are going to be crazy I mean it's going to be tough to block that offensive line or for the offensive line against going up against that D line of the 49ers uh going to be tough but yeah as you said we're kind of to as Buckeye fans but it's going to be nice to see um a nice OSU Buckeye meet up there um back in San Francisco moving on you got Josh Dobbs of the Vikings uh that's big uh Kirk Cousins tearing his Achilles out for the season now um horrible injury but then Vikings You know, take it into their hands to find a new quarterback and they go trade for a pretty solid quarterback. You know, he's going to do his job, be a place filler in Josh Dobbs.
1: Yeah, Josh Dobbs, he's a pretty solid quarterback. I mean, this was really his first season getting any length of time starting. I think he's started every game so far for the Cardinals and they're not really, he isn't really putting them into position to like really win games. I think they have like one or two wins on the season, but he's got eight touchdowns thrown so far in eight games, which is, you know, something I guess Mm -hmm. but the real thing you're looking at is he's only got five picks yeah you know so he protects the football and I think that's all you're looking for in a backup if you're the Vikings with no cousins who could be gone sooner or later but actually I don't think so he said he like loves loves Minnesota loves the Vikings loves that organization and the city he's a family guy I don't think he's gonna move
0: yeah and like you said you know it's just someone to throw the ball to Justin Jefferson I mean if you can get it okay quarterback to just throw the ball to one of the greatest, if not the best wide receivers in the league right now, uh, you should be fine. So, you know, when Justin Jefferson comes back off IR, um, if Dobbs can get a couple games rolling. Uh, should be interesting to see how him and Jefferson, you know, can connect later. Um, moving on, sweat to the Bears. Um, another big pickup. Bears was projected to have the biggest cap space um, in the NFL next year, so might as well go on and spend it on a good pass rush. Offense still needs a little bit of um, work there. You know, Justin Fields, a quarterback, not a lot of help around him. Um, but, you know, starting on the defense never can't hurt. Um, you know, you have that good edge rusher and Sweat, and I think it's a good pickup. It's a good pickup. And yeah, you said they got a couple of pieces. I mean, Fields has
1: been, he's been up and down this year specifically. I mean, they're two and six right now. They've got the, they've got the, I think, D2 rookie, Tyson Bajant mm-hmm. starting or Bajant starting right now. And he's been, Polarizing. I mean, he's made some good throws. He led him to that win in the first game. But obviously, you're focusing on a guy who's going to bolster Justin Fields' team. And Fields, you know, 11 touchdowns in six games. So obviously, yeah, he's been a positive overall, if not inconsistent at the very least. But that defense, I don't know, Evan. I mean, Montez Sweat, he's a pretty good player. But I don't know if he's a game changer for a defense that gives up 27 points a game. On this season because Montez Sweat he's like he hasn't really come into his own yet I feel like he hasn't been a pro bowler yet but he's only 27 years old so he should be getting into that prime right about now he's a perennial like eight nine sack type of guy and he's mm-hmm. got six and a half so far this year so on pace for a career a career year and who knows if he could get that first pro bowl season with the Bears and maybe become a big piece in that defense that'd be a, that'd be a win for them
0: yeah, and, you know, it's kind of shocking for a majority of people. The Bears, you know, 2-6 and six, um, this year. You know, it was kind of shocked to see them being buyers at the trade deadline. A lot of people thought they'd be sellers, uh, but, you know, they didn't have much to sell. Um, but, you know, they went out there, got a good edge rusher. And so, um, yeah, we'll see how that trade plays out. Only you'll only be able to see it on the field. So moving on, talk about that's the majority of the trades uh, that we want to talk about. Moving on to the games, There's a lot of good games this week. Um, you know, you started off on Thursday Night Football, the Bills and Bucks. Um, was kind of back and forth there, uh, lost on a Hail Mary, uh, was kind of right in front of Chris Godwin and just dropped it. But, you know, that was a good game there, Battle back and forth. Josh Allen went for 324 yards and two touchdowns, uh, and James Cook looked to be back as well.
1: Yeah, pretty good game for the Bills, per usual. They bounced back from that loss last week against the Pats that we talked about on the first episode of this season. So the Bills, they're they're probably still for real. I know people are probably just a little scared after that one but they're back to five and three of course they gotta love to see Josh Allen bouncing back and having a great game and Baker of course had a pretty good game as well two touchdowns no interceptions for him 324 yards two touchdowns one pick for Josh Allen on the other side and obviously he got his in the rushing game too 41 yards on the ground and a touchdown because you know I feel like he's the current day Cam Newton you know just about a decade later doing Similar stuff like him. He's got the rocket arm, and he's got the legs and the size, and he's making a similar impact. Maybe he's not the type of guy that MVP Cam was, but he's not far off, and he that team will go
0: as far as he carries them. Yeah, exactly, and they're 5-3 now. Um, you know they went moved to four and one at home, so that's a good game. And you mentioned Josh Allen bouncing back, another bounce back, uh, huge for the slate. Obviously, a big one for me is the Bengals uh, taking on the 49ers um, in San Francisco and going out with a win, 31 to 17. Joe Burrow throws for 283 yards with three touchdowns and a perfect zero interceptions. While they go up against Brock Purdy, who the Bengals defense has been solid. You know their their middle linebackers have been solid and they you know, they forced Brock Purdy who gave up. They let Brock Purdy throw for 365 yards, but only one touchdown and two interception so you know the defense came up big but you know the offense finally came out it was almost like a coming out party for this offense and a lot of Bengals fans were waiting to see that um you know putting up 31 against this 49ers defense who was already good and they just got better after the trade deadline but uh, putting up 31 is big for these Bengals yeah and they got everyone involved too looking at the stats right now
1: Jamar Chase he got 10 catches for 100 yards and a touchdown and of course as you said a few weeks ago I mean he's always open and it really seemed like that last Sunday, and Joe Burrow he found him. He only had four incompletions. That's pretty crazy, and I,
0: I bet you're pretty happy about that. Yeah, I was pretty excited to see that. And then obviously, you know, as I mentioned, that middle linebacker is one of the most underrated um, position groups in the NFL. You know, but Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt are number one and tied for number two in the NFL in interceptions, and they both had one yesterday. Um, Logan Wilson with one, Jermaine Pratt with one, and then you know they just they just look good all around. The Bengals finally looked like the team that we've seen. And it's almost like Joe Burrow just needs a couple games to warm up. Everyone starts doubting him those first couple games, and then he comes out and shows you, you know, who he is for real. And um, that was a great game for Joe Burrow and a great bounce back game for uh, the whole Bengals team as a whole. And, you know, as I mentioned, the Brock Purdy questions, and it'll be interesting to see once he can get his whole offensive weapons back, um, if, if he can really bounce back. I wonder how the Bengals would have done if Chase Young was flying around
1: that edge last week. Would have been a little
0: different for sure. Uh, Scary uh, for sure as a Bengals fan and Joe Burrow lover. I would have hated to see uh, Chase Young tackling him. I'm glad that we played him last week and not this upcoming week. Moving on to games. uh, There's a bunch of good ones, but another close one was the Saints. Excuse me, the Titans and Falcons, 28-23. We saw almost a perfect game from Will Levis. Uh, I mean, just I mean, that just came out of nowhere. Almost no one expected that. Threw for more touchdowns this game than Ryan Tannehill threw for the whole year. Uh, I mean, Will Levis just played great. You can you can take that one, Connor. Will Levis. I mean, he was a guy coming into this
1: year in that draft class with quarterbacks like Stroud, Richardson, Young. He was he was with those guys when people were talking in the months before the draft because he had all the tools at Kentucky and. You really showed off that rocket arm, but I feel like people were saying the statistics weren't really there, especially in that last year of college. Turned the ball over a lot. But in that debut, I mean, you said it didn't really make too many mistakes. No interceptions. And most importantly, four touchdowns. 238 yards, only 19 completions. And most importantly, yet again, he got the W for his team. And that's a Titans team that's kind of like in limbo a little bit right now. I mean, three and four. Derrick Henry's aging. They have DeAndre Hopkins as their wide receiver one, and he did look as explosive as ever. Three touchdowns, over 100 yards for him. But he's also getting older. He's not going to have those games every week like he did back when he was in Houston or even in Arizona for that matter. So to see Levis get that type of chemistry with him and the rest of those guys in a big win, I mean, that might might say – you could say that Ryan Tannehill – Might be on his way out soon.
0: Yeah, a lot of people projected Ryan Tannehill to be out anyway, and, you know, it was kind of a 50-50. But now, after Will Levis, you see what he can do, and, you know, hopefully the Titans aren't going to sell high on Ryan Tannehill or sell low, excuse me, and then Will Levis not be this good. But, you know, it could happen. But he also could see that Will Levis is just a solid quarterback that a lot of people skipped on in the draft. And another quarterback that was somewhat solid their first couple years and now fell off seems to be Desmond Ritter. It seemed like he lost his job last week. Um, You know, he was – Played a lot. Tyler Henneke, Taylor Henneke, should be played as well. Um, but Desmond Ritter came in through 12 passes and then came out only 71 yards on those 12 passes uh, with a QBR rating of 82. And it just seems like he hasn't found his groove yet. You know, he had one good game this year where he threw for a couple touchdowns, but other than that, it just seems like you know he's struggling. And that Atlanta offense is just very questionable as well. You know, they have Bijan Robinson. They drafted so high. They only used him for 11 carries, and he got a touchdown, but he only broke one for 25. I mean, this this kid's special, and they just I feel like they just don't use him as right. And they had the whole thing last week where Arthur Smith, the head coach, he was talking about how
1: Bijan didn't necessarily have concussion issues, but something was going on with him. He was being really vague about it, and doesn't Ritter, he might have had concussion issues. They, he was in the protocol, and they're saying that's why he was taken out of the game, but a lot of people are saying he was benched. I mean, he got sacked five times. On probably less than 20 dropbacks overall in the game so the offensive line wasn't really doing him any favors either and he's a he's a solid guy I mean you were following him at Cincinnati and he was incredible in college but looking at his stats overall in his pretty short career 12 starts only eight touchdown passes so this guy's just not getting the ball to the end zone and not getting the ball to his best targets and you could say that's on him that's on Smith that's on the system or that's on the receivers like Pitts in London mm-hmm. not getting open, but who knows? Something needs to get figured out there or else Ritter, who knows, he could be on his way out soonish
0: Yeah, and then you are know, moving on games, Texas and Pan- Texans and Panthers was a good game as well. Bryce Young gets his first win. Not much to talk about there. It was kind of a um black game until the end where the Panthers, you know, hit their game winning field goal and, you know, Bryce Young ended up beating C J Stroud. But, you know, Bryce Young threw for two hundred and thirty five t- yards and one touchdown. He played well and, you know, CJ Stroud played well and um But yeah, you just came down to it. The Texans defense just couldn't hold the Panthers on that last drive, and they got that game-winning field goal.
1: Yeah, and Bryce Young, he was limiting the turnovers too, which was something that's been very important for him and this whole team's success. And you can see that they haven't been the most successful this year as that's their first win Mm -hmm. of the season. And of course, first win for Bryce Young. So tip your cap to him for that. I mean, battled it out against the fellow rookie. That was a big matchup that people were looking for. And Obviously more of a defensive game, but both rookies, they really did a good job of keeping the ball out of harm's way. Stroud also had no picks, and I think they were both without fumbles overall. And Bryce Young, you know, he really hasn't struggled with turnovers all year. He's only got four interceptions in those six starts so far. I mean, 64% completion, seven touchdowns. Obviously, you want a little more, but he really hasn't been awful. And if you're a rookie quarterback, I mean, that's probably – I don't play football, so obviously I can't make a big judgment on this, but I would assume that's the hardest position to play on the field and learn because you're learning the whole playbook. You want to get that whole offense involved, and you're learning the offensive lines cues and defensive cues and everything, so I'd imagine there's some type of learning curve even though he played at one of the
0: best institutions in college football in Alabama. Yeah, and going into the Carolina offense wasn't great. You know, They didn't have much um, to be excited about there, but... Yeah, you know, good win. Got his first win, and we'll see what he can do after that. Moving on to prior. last game in the NFL segment, one game you might want to not talk about as much is the Seahawks and Browns. Uh, it was a good game, battled it out. Um, but, you know, the Seahawks walked it off with the Jackson Smith and the Jigba touchdown at the end there. Um, You know, P.J. Walker threw all right. You know, he had the two interceptions, but he threw for 248 yards and a touchdown. Uh, But Geno Smith, again, he looked all right as well. You know, threw for 250-ish yards, two touchdowns with two interceptions. But Kenneth Walker looked good. Um, Tyler Lockett looked good. And Jackson Smith, you know, finally had that touchdown. So we'll see if it's a breakout game for Jackson Smith after that, if he can, you know, use that momentum going on after this. But, yeah, you know, Seahawks get the win on a walk-off 24-20.
1: Yeah, I don't have a lot to say about that game, obviously. You said it right there, Jackson's within and Jigba, walk-off touchdown. Love to see it. But other than that, I mean, it could be a coming-out party for him. And Geno Smith, he was still cooking despite the two interceptions. So he's uh, he's stuck to his
0: word after last year. For sure. And now moving on to the NBA, I know you're a big NBA guy, so I'm going to let you take this a little bit, talk about the trades and pass it back and forth there. But, yeah, you, you take this one. Well, the elephant in the room, obviously, is the Harden trade, mm-hmm. which is – it's been
1: – I wouldn't say inevitable, but people have been waiting for it yeah. for months and months. He wasn't with the Sixers for a while, as in not with the team. He yeah. wasn't with them for their offseason practices, wasn't with them for preseason, but he showed up at like the very end and sat on the sidelines for one of their regular season games. I think it was the home opener, and there was a picture of him chatting it up with P.J. Tucker, mm-hmm. and they were all happy and stuff, tapping each other up, and obviously... That was the only guy you saw him talking to on the sideline, and guess who was involved in the trade?
0: Of course, PJ
1: Tucker was dealt with him and rookie Philip Petrasev, Hopefully, I'm not pronouncing that wrong. He's a guy from the Euro League, saw some action at Gonzaga. Those guys all went to the Clippers, and the Sixers got back a familiar face. And Robert Covington, three and D guy, might be kind of beyond his years now. He's been mm. getting inconsistent playing time lately. Blah blah blah. Him, Marcus Morris, Nick Batum. And K.J. Martin and a bunch of picks swapped in this one. A couple firsts in there, too. So just big blockbuster trade, but a lot of people are confused with that return that the Sixers got.
0: Yeah, and you know, like you said, Harden, um, you know, mid-30s, he requested a trade out of Philly, uh, I think it was late June. And he opted out of his contract, you know, for the upcoming season. um, And he, yeah, he had, like you said, he had yet to play for Philadelphia this season, even though he was on the bench. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a, a crazy trade. You, like you mentioned, there was a 2028 unprot- unprotected first rounder um, and two second round picks in that year as well, and a 2029 pick swap with an additional first round pick that will be coming from Oklahoma City. So Oklahoma's got a bunch of trades, obviously, um, all stacked up as well. So you know, it's you know, like you said, it was a good trade um, or a crazy trade, at least I say the, the least. And a lot of NBA fans were were waiting on this one. Yeah, absolutely. But other than
1: that. All the action comes within the games, and it's the very beginning of the season, so it's a little too early to be, ma- be making judgments on teams by how they've played. But one thing that, obviously, I think everybody wants to talk about, including at least myself, Victor Wambanyaba. He made his debut in the NBA. That's been long-awaited since he was probably 16 mm-hmm. playing over in France. I mean, he is just an unprecedented talent. Seven-foot-four handles like a guard can do almost anything on the court, and the debut, he's three games in. He's been been—he's been up and down, to say the least. He's averaging 16 points, seven boards, two assists, and I think about, yeah, two steals and two blocks per game. But he's turning it over five times a game, and he's yeah. got three fouls a game, shooting 23% from three, 44% from the floor. He did go three of six from
0: beyond the arc in the first game, 21 points in the second, so lots of ups and downs. Yeah. And like you said, it is a very up and down thing. Sometimes you see him and you're like, yeah, this is why he was the undisputed number one for so long. And then sometimes you're like, well, did the Spurs kind of, you know, like what, when is it, when is it going to get started? Cause you don't want to say, and it was a wasted pick. Cause I don't, I never believed that with this guy, um, you know, great pick. And, but yeah, like you said, in the last game, he, uh, against the Clippers, you know, they, took the, the about the 40-point loss there. Uh, he, sh- he played almost 26 minutes, and he was 4 for 10 from the field, 0 for 2 from 3, uh, and he got to the line six times and only converted on 50% of those, uh, only grabbing five rebounds. Um, had the two assists, the one steal, the one block, but then again, the five turnovers um, with only the 11 points. So you almost expect more out of him, but you know he's. You got to remember how young this kid is. Um, you know, in his first season, only three games in. So yeah, you know he's very young, and people, a lot of people want him to succeed right now, uh, especially a lot of Spurs fans that you know they use this pick um, on him, and they were so excited to get him. But you know it might take some time for him to gel. You know he's. It's a. It's a. It's this is the big boys now, and he's got to play with them, and so I think it'll take a little bit of time to gel.
1: Yeah, and it's it takes time for almost anybody. Not anyone is really coming out of the gate and producing at an all star level. not at least not often. I mean, LeBron he played pretty well when he yeah. started off, but he was really inefficient, just like Wemby is right now, and just like the rest of the guys. And Scoot Henderson, you look at him, the number. Pretty sure he was number two, two. unless I'm entirely mistaken right now. I'll pull up the stat, the draft right now, just to just to make sure because I'm going to be embarrassed if I get this one wrong. I believe he was the the third overall pick. I can't believe it. Two was? Two was Brandon Miller, who's actually playing very well right now. I mean, he's shooting lights out right now. He's averaging 17 points a game, 44% from deep, 47% from the floor. But Scoot Henderson, they're giving him 30 minutes a game and all the touches he could want, but he's looked really indecisive. He's only shooting 33% from the floor, 5% from three. And he's not a shooter, so... But 5% from three, I mean, come on. But obviously, just like we said with Wembenyama, it takes time. Yeah. And sometimes these guys, I mean, even like Brandon Miller playing really well off rip, you could say eventually he might hit that rookie wall like a lot of people say rookies do because they're not used to playing an 82-game season. They're used to playing 30-ish games in college, and maybe the guys who came from overseas used to a little more action, but... Mm -hmm. Guys like Brandon Miller and Scoot Henderson, who did actually play in the G League last year, so he might not have that same problem. But obviously, usually prep to pro guys, as in college to NBA. So rookie wall, whatever, whatever. That's all I got to say, at least for the super important stuff on the NBA right now. I mean, we don't have a ton of time, so I think we'll touch on that
0: a little more next time. Yeah, you said we'll move on to, if you want to move on to you know college football now. I'm um, talking about, obviously, a major thing. The playoff rankings come out tonight. Um, so it's a it's you know a lot of people like to call them the real rankings. you know the AP almost just doesn't matter um, until it comes down to you know your head to head matchups. but this is a big ranking uh, coming out tonight, you know, you it determines the first it's the first Tuesday rankings. Um, there's a bunch of bunch of questions, you know, who will be number one? Um, how high will Ohio State be with her two big wins? How low will Michigan be, and how low will Georgia be? Georgia's schedule is not great, um, but they you know they're back-to-back national champions. Uh, as Ric Flair said, "To be the best, you got to beat the best." And you know Georgia hasn't lost yet; no one's beat him yet. But again, you got to look at who they've played, and they don't have the greatest schedule or strength of schedule, should I say? So, I mean, that'll be a big question to see um, tonight: is who they rank one, and that'll tell you going out what they what they really. Um, value uh, as a committee on my computer right now is a thing
1: little thing called simple rating system on the on the football reference site and it kind of takes into account the point differential and strength of schedule of college football teams and I'm looking at the top five as of now not as of tonight this will change by the time this episode comes Mm -hmm. out but right now Georgia at number one SRS of 14.6 look at the rest of that top five number two Michigan obviously 25.1 25.1 because they've played some teams, mm-hmm. and they're also undefeated. Ohio State, number three, 22.2. They're undefeated, played some teams. Florida State, 21.9, undefeated Washington. 17.5, also undefeated. They've all got the same story. You know it. Washington, well, Washington, they did have a bit of a scary game versus Stanford. They He threw four touchdowns. He's putting points on the board like usual, but – that defense kind of that Pac-12 like, defense yeah yeah you know what they say but <laughs> Pac-12 you know going to be disbanded pretty soon so they won't have to think about that True. too much anymore they're going to go into the Big Ten so they might play some you know maybe some better defenses yeah. down the road but Stanford's quarterback Ashton Daniels he
0: ran for two touchdowns threw for a billion yards and almost got them to the win. Yeah, and you know like you say, the rankings come out tonight and it'll be the the first the last first rankings of the four teams because you know we move on to the 12 team playoff next year. So it'll be interesting to see how this this selection show is different come next year, but we're talking about this year right now and you know they have they have to figure out the top 4 and you know it'll be interesting to see who's on the bubble because I mean the top 5 are going to go in no order, Georgia, Ohio State, Georgia, uh, Michigan, most likely four to say. Well, those will probably be your top four in whatever order. Your five will probably be Washington, but your six—that'll be a big question. Will it be Oregon? Will they put you know the team who lost to the number five team by a game losing field goal? Um, how how who will they put at six? That's my biggest question uh, going into tonight's. Um, their the rankings tonight so it'll be interesting to see that um but you want to look at last week's games real quick you I mean Ohio State got the win you know going into Camp Randall winning by two scores um Cal McCord didn't have his best stuff but he didn't have the worst stuff he threw for 230 yards and two touchdowns with those two interceptions Marvin went off obviously with 120 yards and two touchdowns only only six receptions um yeah the Ohio State looked good going into Camp Randall getting the win yeah Marv going off as he usually does but I think the biggest storyline
1: of that game was Travion Henderson coming back and he just lit that Wisconsin defense on yeah. fire 162 yards and only 24 carries one score had 45 yards through the air too. over it's over 200 yards from scrimmage. He essentially carried that offense yeah. the whole way alongside Marv and Ohio State fans, Ryan Day, Brian Hartline, that whole coaching staff. Everybody is pleased to see that, especially, when you play a team like Wisconsin that's had a
0: pretty stout defense this year. Yeah, and they've always, you know, they're historically having a good defense, especially a good front seven. Um, but, yeah, you know, highest hit goes in there, gets the win. And, you know, Travion breaking out is going to be huge as today. Ryan Day talked in his practice conference that my Williams. will be out for the year. Um, he will go under, undergo surgery. They said it was a leg or knee. can't remember, but it was an ACL. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Um, but it'll be big if Travion can burst out. I'm going to help this Ohio State team. Moving on, Georgia. They went – into this, they played Florida, you know, going I believe, yeah, going into the swamp, and you know, it's gonna be a tough game. Like a lot of people thought had not having Brock Bowers. Well, Georgia goes in there and you know wins 43 to 20 in a big game. Carson Beck throws for 320 yard 315 yards, excuse me, in two touchdowns. Um, running back Edwards goes for only 15 carries but 96 yards and two touchdowns. Um, and McConkie, you know, he went for 135 yards and a touchdown. So Georgia they just look dominant yet again, even without Brock Bowers.
1: Yeah, with that coaching staff and that history of the past two seasons making the national championship, I mean, they're not really going to – not to say – let me word this correctly. They're not going to step down to a team like Florida because Florida, they're all right. They're not what they usually are. Yeah. They're 5-3 and three right now, so no chance of really sniffing the playoffs. Maybe a bowl game or something, but a team like Georgia in their pedigree – they're not going to go in there flat and lose that game. Kirby's smart. I remember him saying something a couple weeks ago that he thought they looked
0: a little complacent, but beating Florida by 23, that doesn't really look complacent to me. Not at all. And obviously, you know, we're on a time crunch, so we'll go a little speed round here. Uh, Oklahoma, Kansas. Kansas upsets Oklahoma. Oklahoma. In Kansas, and I mean, all you can say is Kansas looked good, and Oklahoma didn't. Uh, Bean threw for 220 yards with two interceptions, and still somehow got that win um, in Kansas. Yeah, going into Kansas and winning that game, Um, you know, Oklahoma. That's just it's going to hurt hurt them big. You know, the first the last game before the playoff rankings, and you know they lose it to an unranked six and two Kansas team.
1: Yeah, that's pretty brutal, and I feel like Kansas, they just kind of had that upset potential going into this one. This guy, Jason Bean. Their quarterback came in there, 46% completion percentage, two interceptions, and 218 yards. But that defense mm. and that running game, Devin Neal, 112 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Then Daniel Highshaw Jr., two touchdowns on the ground and 51 yards. And then Jason Bean, who I said didn't have the best day through the air, he went out there and ran for 62 yards himself and a touchdown. So... When you got a running game like that, I mean, I feel like you can gash some defenses that aren't really expecting that, and it seemed like Oklahoma didn't see it coming.
0: Yeah, like yeah, they didn't. And you know, moving on another game that was supposed to be close, and it was college game day, and just almost being almost being a blowout was Oregon and Utah. I mean, Oregon just goes into Utah and just r- runs over Utah 35 to six. There, um, you know, gets the big win in Utah.
1: Yeah, I mean, 35 to six, Utah. They had hopes of creeping up and possibly winning that conference there. I mean, Oregon ranked number eight in the nation and Utah at number 13 going into that one. But, you know, Bo Nix, he's the vet, and he went in there and did vet things. Completed 77% of his passes, 248 yards, two touchdowns, and not a single blemish, as in no interceptions. And then a guy with one of the best names in college football, Bucky Irving, 83 yards and a touchdown on the ground, including 36 yards through the air. Troy Franklin had a good performance through the year, 99 receiving yards and eight catches and the touchdown. So, all in all, good offensive performance in
0: the defense. They held Utah down. And moving on, Penn State, Indiana. Penn State in a close one with Indiana. Ohio State needed Penn State to win this game, and they were liking to win it big. Obviously, uh, Penn State's one of your biggest wins, if not your second-best win, Um it is your second-best win, and, you know, they go in there. It was, a, it was a scare, but, you know, they pulled the win out. Uh, they win 24-33. to 33. Um, Sorsby outplayed Aller. Sorsby threw for three touchdowns and one interception on the Indiana side, but Ktron Allen ran for 81 yards on the ground, no touchdowns. Um, you know, it just wasn't a great offensive game for Penn State or defensive game, but they pulled the win out, and that's all that matters. Singleton, he had 50 and a touchdown on the ground, too. Those two have
1: formed a pretty formidable running back tandem so far this year, and they – continue to show their ability against Indiana, who is two and 2-6. So, obviously, if you're Penn State, you want to beat them by a little more than nine points. So, this might hurt them a little bit
0: in the rankings, but they'll definitely stick towards the top. And another... My last one I got for the college football segment, a possible one-loss team that could have maybe had the hopes of sneaking into the Pac-12 championship and then the um, college football playoffs was Arizona and Oregon State. Oregon State was 6-1 and one entering this game and 3-1 and one in the Pac-12, but they dropped the game to unranked Arizona, who moves to 5-3 and three and 3-2 three and two in the Pac-12 now. Loses by 3, 27-24. Um, they just got outplayed on most aspects of the field. Yeah, brutal game for Arizona State. Of course, they've got the Clemson
1: transfer DJ. I can't really pronounce his last name if I'm being completely honest with you. I do not want to butcher this one on air. So he went out there, and he didn't necessarily get it done at Clemson. He was supposed to do a lot for that program, and it just didn't really work out. Transferred here, and he's been playing pretty well. But comes into this one and completes 53% of his passes. Didn't throw an interception, but... It didn't result in a win. Noah Fafita for Arizona, he went in there and threw three touchdowns, completed 78% of his passes in the win. He simply got the job done, and that's without Jaden Delara, who was their starter earlier in the
0: season, got injured, and they haven't really lost a step. Yeah, and that about wraps it up for our college football. I'll move on to the MLB real quick. Uh, Texas and Diamond. Bear, Texas and Arizona plays tonight at 8.03 on Fox. Um, World Series game four, the Rangers lead this one. Two to one, um, but some big news coming out of this game is the ALCS MVP Adolis Garcia is not playing um, in this one after injuring what I believe was his left torso um, in last last game. Um, So that's a huge loss there. Um, You know it's going to be tough for them to play without him. I mean he's been you know just an all around great player offensively, defensively, just a great you know dugout guy for them. So. Um it's gonna be a good game and you know, it could be a game where Arizona could tie it up though. Um and you know, as they're down two one, get this win here and then move on to game five. But yeah, not having Garcia is gonna be very tough. And then I think the D backs
1: will have their ace on the mound, Zach Gallen. So he'll be able to pitch on a slight against a slightly worse lineup. Obviously they still have so much firepower without Garcia, but it'll be interesting to see if Texas can hold on to it without one of their guys, Garcia, we talked about in the last episode, almost a 40 home run guy this
0: year, and a valuable piece of that team. Yeah, going to be tough, um, as you mentioned, not having him, not having Garcia, who's got 39 home runs, um, batting two forty seven with 107 RBIs. Um, it's going to be very tough. But this one's in Arizona, um, so it could be huge if Arizona could get this win and you know get it to Game Five. Um, excuse me, get it. Yeah, get it to Game Five having a B2-2, two, two and you know you really need a tie here, because going down 3-1, especially without Garcia, um, would be really detrimental you know to the rest of the series. I think they'll be okay, too, because they've got a guy by the name of Travis Jankowski
1: Jan who's probably going to come into his spot. He played a lot of right field this year and had a bunch of pinch hit opportunities and managed to play 107 games. He got a good amount of at-bats this year, actually. Ended up taking about 247 of those, and he did only have a 689 OPS, but this guy's got a two sixty-three batting average and a three fifty-seven OBP on-base percentage. So this guy can slap the ball around. He can get on base. And when he gets on base, he's got wheels. He had 19 stolen bags this year. So not the worst option to have at that backup outfield spot. So they're not going to be – well, they're going to be missing a lot without Garcia, but they're not going to be completely
0: helpless. Could be a lot worse. Absolutely. Um, but obviously not having Garcia is not great. But I think if that's, all, that's all I have. If you don't have anything else, I think that's all I've got, Evan. So I think that's all for us on Season 2, Episode 2 of the Nightcap. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.